Hello, everybody. This is Sarah, and I'm here with Chandra. And this is Deep Thoughts for Deep Times. We're so glad that you're here with us today. And Chandra's going to be talking about what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> hey, we're going to talk about dating. So if you are not interested in that topic, don't walk away because we're going to talk about it from many different areas. Like as a parent, how do we coach our kids through that? Um, if you're wanting to start dating, what do you do? And then what is the purpose of dating? So I want to start with this question. Why do we have these play dates with our kids, Sarah. I mean, Sarah's kids are younger than her son's younger than my kids. But like, do you remember like back in the day taking your kid or you still may do to yeah. play dates and you say stuff like, okay, we don't bite our friends we because don't hit. Yeah, we need to share. Because like they don't know how to do that. Or you're like, now use your words. You know, mm -hmm. you have to talk about this. I mean, because kids are kind of clueless when it comes to relationships. Right. You have to teach them how to have friendships. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, I started thinking about this probably about maybe like two or three weeks ago. So we're taking them on play dates because friendships are new to them. Then your kids get a little bit older and we're not going to judge whatever date, whatever age you start letting them date, but they step into this and honestly, they don't know how to do it. So it's almost like play dates all over again where okay you have these feelings and you know society is telling you to do this because like when you take a kid to a play date and depending on the dynamics you know it could be appropriate you know yeah he takes your toys smack him upside the head mm -hmm. get that toy back right. you know so they all have different dynamics and climates and so do the friend groups so then when they start to date nobody's actually there being like let me tell you this is how you treat a woman this is how you treat a man this is how you communicate your feelings and say no this is not okay with me or yes this is okay with me right it's like we're just throwing them out there just to figure it out on themselves they're doing play dates without the super without the supervision yeah and it's i mean we don't throw a 16 year old into a car without practice. We don't just say, Hey, go, go drive that car. We would not want to be on the road if that was the case. <laughs> so why would we do this for, you know, dating relationships when that's going to impact literally the rest of their lives? Right. So we need to look at how do we adequately prepare somebody mm -hmm. for being in a dating relationship? Um, so how I don't know, Sarah, what do you think? Like, how do you think kids decide what is okay, is not okay, and their expectations when it comes to dating? I mean, that's going to be from watching their parents, watching their friends, social media, influencers, um, movies, all of the things, you know, growing up for me, it was, you know, Disney, all of the Cinderella and Snow White and all of the princesses meeting their princes and this is what you're waiting for and you're going to live happily ever after. And so nowadays it's, I mean, it's the same stuff, movies, TV, and lots of social media because we didn't have Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat back in, you know, yeah. the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I, okay. True confession. I kind of dig Vampire Diaries. Like I really, I really do. I watched it all and thought it was really cool. And I talked to, it's it's very big with like, you know, adolescents and young adults. And Elena dates this guy, Stefan, who's really good to her. But like everybody starts sharing for Damon, the bad boy. And then she starts dating Damon. And like, I remember like every, every kid that came to my office are like, oh my gosh, Damon's so amazing. And I'm like, 
dude, they're going to be in marriage counseling forever. <laughs> but it's kind of like, you know, we get that idea of, you know, oh, this is utopia. Mm -hmm. It will work out. And, you know, you don't see the end of it. Like, you know, you watch a Hallmark movie and like Christmas time, it's not Christmas right now while we're recording this, but I, I'm thinking about the Christmas Hallmark movies where, you know, there's this huge big lie, like this is my fiance and he's not really my fiance. And then he becomes her fiance and then they live happily ever after. And it's like, oh, but what about the reality of everything else that happens after that? It, and it's kind of like we, like you said, we're in this like utopia. Right, right. They don't think about the fact that, well, you know, when they come back from the honeymoon that she's messy and he's not doing what he's supposed to do that she expects him to do that doesn't make the bed you know all of the actual nuances of having a relationship and what that looks like for every single different couple yeah are you like totally calling me out on no, podcasts for not. being dirty <laughs> we're sitting in my house and i mean like i'm not a slob but i mean like it's not the cleanest and that's always my husband's <laughs> we're going to talk about how we messed up on marriage later on yeah. you know down the line in some podcasts but um so in psychology, we have this thing called cognitive dissonance. And so what cognitive dissonance is, it's like, um, if you were to tell me something and I expected it, mm -hmm. you know, let's take, um, let's take church, for example, you know, you go to church and somebody and the person up there is like, we are all family. Okay. <laughs> but as a therapist, I'm like, okay, that means we're dysfunctional, right. but that's not the tone that's been set. We are all family. We love each other. We're there for each other. We care for each other, you know, love God first, love each other. Second, love your community. And you step into this and you say, this is going to be amazing, you know, and then you get into it and you find out that, Hey, we're just all real people. And so-and-so is talking about me mm -hmm. and so-and-so is excluding me. And honestly, I really don't like that person. So I'm not really talking much to them. And, you know, it just rolls into this huge, big ball of stuff. And you step back and you're just like, well, forget Christianity, forget church, because this is what I was told. This is what I expected. However, it didn't work out. And so it's, it's the same thing with relationships. You know, we just see people getting hurt and walking away. Right. Right. It's kind of like you said, it's this utopia that has been set up for you. You have these expectations that you have grown up believing are realistic and that that is what you deserve or what you're expecting. And then it actually doesn't happen like that at all and so there's major disappointment and then that's whenever you get to the point of like everybody is terrible i don't want anything to do with uh, any relationships i don't want to go to church i don't want to do anything because you've been so hurt by the belief that you thought that you were gonna get yeah yeah and what we find out is it really wasn't you know like let's say the example of the church it wasn't the church's fault mm -hmm. and no. it wasn't you know, the people that you're friends with or you're in relationship with, it's the idea that you were not realistic in your expectation. Right, it was expectations. Exactly. And so when our expectations are not met, we end up blaming other people for it where it's not the church's fault. It's not the person you're dating's fault. It's the idea that I am not being honest with how I really feel and what I think. Right. So what do we do about this? Okay. So <laughs> you're like cut to the chase. <laughs> All right. So I, I guess my question would be like, why don't we mentor um, younger people when it comes to dating? Like, you know, I can't, I couldn't be a therapist. I mean, you're getting ready to go through an internship. Like we have to be mentored right. um, in order to do that. So, and that's what we're doing on play dates. We're mentoring. So, you know, like, why don't 
okay, let me ask you. So why don't we mentor? Like we're like shooting questions at each other. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I mean, unless the fact that we, I mean, my parent, me as a parent, I don't even know if I'm equipped. I feel like, am I equipped to even mentor? It's just, there's not something that you think about. Honestly, I wouldn't think about that. I mean, am I equipped to mentor him into relationships? Because was I mentored into relationships? So that's where I would turn to God, to the Bible. What do I see in that? And how, how can I apply that in teaching him to have good relationships in his life? Okay. So I, I guess the question would be, um, and I'll answer it <laughs> rather than us sitting here like, okay, you told me this. Um, so I guess like the question would be, why, why are we dating? What is the purpose of it? And if we're taking it back to the Bible, everything we do should be to the glory of God. Okay. Now, I don't know how many of you guys back in the day were into or heard of the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. I am not talking about that book. Okay. Like <laughs> that book. Yeah. No, um, nothing wrong with it if you followed it, but um, it was, yeah. So I'm going, coming from the idea of, you know what? Teenagers most likely are going to date. Mm-hmm. Okay. So dating leads to typically marriage. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to like, what is the purpose of marriage? So I think we, you know, if we go back to like what is before us in, you know, society, whether that be media or friendships or schools or whatever, we're always kind of led back to like, oh, we're in love and I just want to be with this person and I'm so fulfilled by him and all that kind of stuff. And so many emotions over the situation. Exactly. But the idea of marriage, if we look at it, should be to lead people to Christ. Mm -hmm. So when we think about like, you know, do I want to date this person? You want to think like, does this person's values, beliefs, morals, ethics, do they line up with mine? And then, you know, thinking more long-term is, okay. So when the Bible says, um, like Jesus is talking about salvation, he's like, I go to prepare a place for you. Only the father knows my return. Okay, if you understand the culture of that time, what he was actually saying, it was a metaphor. So like the women back then, when a guy would be like, hey, marry me, they didn't plan the wedding together. He just kind of like took off to his like hometown and he had to start building like a dormitory room onto his family's house. And uh, could you imagine that? Like, marry me. Okay, now I'm going to be gone for months. And like, and she doesn't know when he's going to return. So she just has to be ready the whole time. Like, I don't know when he can return. My bags are packed. I'm ready to go. So like when he builds his house and his father comes along and he's like, okay, dude, that looks good enough. Go get your bride. And he go gets her and go, go gets her. He goes and gets her and brings her back. Only the father knows the return. Mm-hmm. And I could go, I could tell you so many more, like the Song of Solomon. Is that a, you know, a, a romantic novel or is that a symbolism of salvation? Right. So it's all woven all through the Bible, which goes to show us that literally relationships, marriage is a walking, talking, living, breathing parable to lead people to salvation. So, you know, think about it. You know, I say to girls all the time in therapy, I'm like, tell me what you want in a relationship. And they're like, oh, I want somebody who's honest. I want somebody who loves me unconditionally. And they go on and on. And I just look at them like, yeah, that sucks. And they're like, what? (laughs) And I'm just like, if you want somebody who's going to be forgiving, you're going to mess it up a lot. If you want someone who's going to love you unconditionally, you're going to be pretty unlovable. 
However, on the flip side, that's marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's great parts in it, but this whole, I'm going to love you even when, you know, you're a slob like me, you know, or, you know, God forbid, you know, even if you've really messed it up, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to love you back into the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at somebody who's been married 50 years and you say, how did you do it? You're going to hear how Christ pursues us. So if we can teach these adolescents to look at marriage as a way to lead people to God, it will change the way they perceive it, in my opinion. What do you think? I feel like that's just like a mic drop right there. <laughs> okay, don't drop the mic because it'll be really loud. <laughs> and I'm the one wearing the headset, so it'll hurt. <laughs> right. Okay. So when we look at relationships and we look at the idea of you know, desiring a relationship, like, where does that come from? Like, what do you think about that? I mean, it comes, it comes from the Bible, like what we see in Genesis with Eve and how her, like got, you know, said, you know, her desire will be for her husband. And so then that's what we see played out everywhere in our society. Um, I mean, just, you know, like you said, I'm getting ready to go through internships and things like that. And, you know, I've always had people come to me and, lots of girls who are like, Oh, I want to have a boyfriend, I have to have a boyfriend, or I don't know who I am, if I don't have a boyfriend, or if I don't have a man in my life, or anything like that, you're, you know, our, as women, we're constantly, our desire is for a man, and for a husband and for our husband. And so we are constantly trying to please in that way, or trying to get that affection. And so, you know, when we're going to do this, we're trying to get our needs met from that. And we're not being filled all the way from that. And so, I mean, you tell the story of the woman at the well, great, and how she came to Jesus and he was like, you know, I will sustain you. I will be the one um, to fill that need basically. And so that's where we have to turn to is to God to have our needs met because there's always going to be that void. And even though our desire is for our husband and that's not wrong, I'm not saying that it's wrong, but you know, we have to have our needs met in God first. Can I add to that? Yes. <laughs> okay. No. Um, what's interesting is what Sarah brought up is the story of Genesis and you know, he, what's is said in that moment is, you know, it's after the fall of man it's, and it's the curse. And then he says to the woman, your desire will be for your husband. Okay. But as Christians, who should our desire be for? Our should, desire should be for God. And what we see is Jesus comes and he's with this lady at the well and she's standing there. And I mean, he, he could have called out any sin. I mean, like we all just have all kinds of sins that Jesus would have called out. And he says to her, girl, I know that you have had five or six husbands and the one you're with is not your husband. Mm -hmm. Okay. He could have said anything, but he chose to call out this desire to have a man. And then he talks about, I can give you something so you'll never thirst again. So he was pointing out, you are trying to fill your life with a man. And he's like, I can fulfill you. And I think that is the, the hard part right there is part of the fall of man is women our desire is for, you know, not, not everybody, but you know, the human desire is to please and to be in a relationship and to, you know, have that void filled. And he's saying, you need to get it filled through me. And 
I think that's kind of what we see play out in our society is women or women kind of looking for what is that fulfillment, especially adolescent girls, you know, kind of being told you need a relationship, you need a relationship, you need a relationship. But, you know, let's go back to the cognitive dissonance thing. Mm -hmm. This is what you're told over and over again. And when it doesn't work out, it's like, this is how it should be. However, nobody can fulfill this need for me. And so are we kind of, we got to have this need for Christ fulfilled before we can go out and get it fulfilled by somebody, somebody else. else. Man, that got me. <laughs> yeah. So, and then you have to ask, so whenever, you know, this isn't necessarily a formula. It's not going to just, okay, once I have my, you know, life filled with God that I'm going to automatically find my partner. That's right. not, you know, what it what it is it's more of like what is your motivation for when you want to start dating like is it biblical is it because you have god in your life and you know you're being called to do that or you feel that that's what you should do next or is it for yourself or for someone else so you have to really think about the motivations behind what you're wanting as well absolutely so if you're listening to this and you have kids okay here's the challenge <laughs> always. Um, I challenge you have these conversations with your children, you know, find out what is the motivation because the motivation could be, I feel pressure from society to date. I feel that all my friends are doing it. So I need to kind of go along with this and date. Or if you are in a relationship and you're thinking, you know what, this is not honoring God. This is not going to end with me honoring God. This is not going to bring me to a place where I am fulfilling my calling. Or if you're in a situation, I want you to think about, am I using somebody to fill a void in my life, but it's still a void? Why am I so empty? You're empty because you need that fulfillment from Christ so that you can be filled, that you can have the healthy relationships. So parents have the conversations with your kids. And people who are dating, whether you're adolescent or adult, take the time to really take an honest look at yourself. And I am going to say it is okay to break up. It is okay to say this relationship is not honoring God. This relationship has become an idol in my life. And it's okay to say I need to take a step back because it is much more important for you to be in God's will in your relationship than to keep going and make some really difficult mistakes that it's going to be very hard to get out of later. So, um, yeah, I, I know we need to cut this off, but uh, I could talk for like another hour about this topic. It's, it's probably one of the ones that's near and dear to my heart. Um, any last words, Sarah? All right. We appreciate you guys listening. Um, um, like I said, I could talk for another hour or more. If you come across this and you know how to contact me and you're like, let's talk, um, Hit me up on Messenger, Facebook, phone. Um, if you know me, come to my house. If not, don't um, try to find me because no, that's no, kind of no, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be talking more about this later on, obviously, in other episodes. And just know that God can, can, stay, can sustain you. I can't talk right now. Um, but we appreciate you all listening. And thank you so much.